0: Hello and welcome to the Backtracker History Show podcast with me, Alice. Join me as I go delving through the archives to find out more about the people, places and events from the past. Listen to tales of dastardly pirates and amazing innovators, catastrophic accidents and devious crimes. This podcast has it all. And this episode is no exception, so get ready to give your ears a treat maybe learn a few things on the way. As I don't believe in sanitising the facts of history, these episodes may contain information that some people find disturbing. talking about today occurred in the year 1860. But what else happened that year? Well, on the 25th of January, HMS Prince of Wales, a 121-gun screw-propelled, first-rate ship of the line, is launched at Portsmouth Dockyard. The current one was launched on the 21st of December 2017. On the 17th of April in 1860, one of the last major bare-knuckle boxing matches in England between Tom Sayers and the American John C. Heenan at Farnborough in Hampshire ends in a draw as police break up the event. On the 9th of July, the Nightingale Training School and Home for Nurses, the first nursing school based on the ideas of Florence Nightingale, is opened at St. Thomas' Hospital in London. During November, the temporary home for lost and starving dogs, the predecessor of the Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, is established in London by Mary Tealby. And lastly, on the 29th of December, the world's first ocean-going, iron hulled and armoured battleship, HMS Warrior, is launched on the Thames. But our event today happened exactly six months earlier, on June the 29th. In the village of Road near Froome, on the Wiltshire-Somerset border.
1: Word of the Week
0: And this week, the word I give you is... Scran, spelt S-C-R-A-N And almost everybody who has served in the armed forces will instantly know it means food. But it does have a deeper meaning. Its origin comes from the Royal Navy practice of supplementing sailors' diet with additional portions of sultanas, currants, raisins and nuts, which can be shortened to scran. On the 10th of April, 1944, Miss Ruth Emily Kay passed away at the Loreto Convalescent Home in Albert Road, Strathfield, New South Wales, Australia. Just two months before she'd celebrated her 100th birthday when a Strathfield council sent her a sheath of gladioli eight feet long. Another friend sent a bottle of champagne and she also received a telegram of congratulations from the Governor-General. A small party celebrated her milestone. After her death, obituaries praised her nursing work and selfless care of patients over many years in institutions such as Lazarus Home for Women Lepers at Little Bay and the girls in her care at the Parramatta Girls Industrial School. She had also spent many years as matron of the Maitland Nurses' Home. The newspapers also reported that Emily Kay had been born in Devonshire, England and came from a large family. She had travelled, settled in Australia during the 1860s and trained as a nurse in her 40s. It was many, many years after her death that the shocking true story of Ruth Emily Kay's past was revealed. Indeed, she had been born in Devon in 1844 and had a number of siblings, but her name was really Constance Emily Kent. In 1851, the Kent family were listed in the census as living in Walton House, Clevedon Road, Walton in Gordano, near Clevedon. The father, Samuel Savile Kent, was Inspector of Factories for the Southern and Western Counties, and that's why they had to move around. Eventually, for health reasons, the family moved from London to Sidmouth and hired a nunny, Mary Pratt. Samuel's wife, Mary Ann Kent, already had eight children, four before Constance, with only three surviving. A year after the move, Mary had another child, William. They then moved around several times and ended up at Bainton House in Colson, Wiltshire, where Mary was secluded in a separate room, apparently due to her insanity, although no official diagnosis was ever made. She would later die there. Mary Kent was buried in the little churchyard beyond the Ornamental Lake, and then after a suitable period of time, Kent, um, rather predictably, married Mary Pratt the nanny. Constance was eight years old at the time. The fondness Pratt had once shown towards Constance and William, his only surviving children from his first marriage, would soon shift entirely to his second set of children. don't need to be a psychologist to figure out that Samuel Kent's behaviour would lead to some jealousy amongst the older children of the favouritism shown to their younger half-siblings. The family eventually settled at Rose Hill House near Froome on the Wiltshire Somerset border, and Constance, resentful of her stepmother, tried to run away. Eventually she was sent to boarding school. On June the 29th, 1860, when the second Mrs Kent was heavily pregnant with her fourth child, the family was rocked by tragedy. Some time after midnight, the family dog barked. It wasn't until morning that a nursemaid discovered the cause. Her name was Elizabeth Goth, and she awoke to check on the three youngest Kent children. That was when she realized Francis was missing.
1: The impression of the child was still there. As if he had
0: been softly taken out. She would recall later. Francis was nowhere to be found, and his father promised a reward for anyone who would find the boy. Local men were called in to help with the search, and found blood in the servant's outhouse. Someone had stuffed a bloody blanket into the toilet, along with the body of young Francis, aged just three. Shoemaker William Nutt carefully lifted the body out. His, his little head fell off, almost. Nutt would later say. The killer had slashed Francis's throat so deeply that the boy had nearly been decapitated. Thomas Benger, a farmer who helped find the body, reported.
1: His throat was cut and blood splashed over his face. He was a little dark about the mouth and eyes. But he looked quite pleasant, and his little eyes were shut.
0: The local police suspected Goth, the nursemaid. How could someone have taken the boy without her noticing? And so the police theorised that Elizabeth had snuck a lover into the house, and Francis walked in on them. The lovers then murdered the boy to cover up their affair, as he was well known to be unable to keep a secret.
1: Word on the street.
0: This week we're venturing to Ashman Close in BS5 Bristol. This was named after Sir Herbert Ashman, whom Queen Victoria created as First Lord Mayor of Bristol when she visited the city in 1899 to open a new convalescent home on the edge of the Downs, which later became the Bristol Maternity Hospital, This visit was part of the celebrations to commemorate her diamond jubilee. The reason for the new status was that, after many years of being included as part of the Bishop of Gloucester's area, Bristol had been reinstated as a city and county with its own bishop. As you can imagine, the small police force in rural Wiltshire struggled with this high-profile case and soon called upon Scotland Yard, who sent Jonathan Jack Witcher from London to solve the crime. The children's nursemaid was an early suspect, as was Mr Kent himself, but so too was Constance, at the time aged only 16, and her younger brother William, both home from boarding school. Jack Witcher strongly suspected Constance, mainly based on the fact that her nightdress was missing. However, in a Victorian-era society, it was almost unthinkable that a lowly detective could suspect and implicate a gentle-born girl of the middle classes. And yet he did, with good reason. Constance Kent was unusually strong, and, as Witcher would say, She appears to possess a very strong mind. She also slept alone, and had in the past hidden things in the same outhouse her half-brother was found in. Once Witcher from Scotland Yard was involved, he interrogated 16-year-old Constance for a week, but she refused to break. Finally, though, he released her and the case went cold witcher though vowed we will only know the truth when constance kent confesses amid rumors of adultery and madness the family secrets were both laid bare and embellished for public consumption did the father samuel savile kent make up his first wife's illness just so that he could have an affair with the then nanny mary whom instantly he married after the first wife died. The newspapers lapped all this up. The author, Wilkie Collins, later based elements of the Moonstone and Sergeant Cuff in particular on Witcher and the Road Hill murder, which brought the murder more publicity. But Witcher himself was ridiculed at the time. With all the public scrutiny, Constance couldn't return to the fractured family she'd left behind and was sent by her father to school in France. Later, she became a probationer and nurse trainee with the Anglican nuns at St. Mary's Convent in Brighton. Shockingly though, and in a twist that no one could have seen, in 1865, a penitent Constance confessed to the crime. Constance first confessed to Reverend Arthur Wagner in Brighton so he accompanied her to the authorities in London with a written statement which was handed to the magistrate Sir Thomas Henry I Constance Emily Kent alone and unaided on the night of the 29th of June 1860 murdered at Road Hill House Wiltshire one Francis Savile Kent before the deed was done no one knew of my intention, nor afterwards of my guilt. No one assisted me in the crime, nor in the invasion of discovery. Constance was tried at Salisbury Assizes on the 20th of July, 1865. In light of her confession, Judge Justice Willis was obliged by law to sentence her to death. But even in his sentencing speech, called upon queen victoria to exercise mercy and to grant a royal pardon the queen obliged and constance was pardoned a week later and her sentence commuted to penal servitude for life her stepmother died just a month later and public interest in the case revived to such an extent that constance was considered the most famous or infamous woman in england her likeness was even taken in wax by Madame Swords, Constance served 20 years of her sentence in four different prisons and was released in 1885, aged 41. She had petitioned the authorities on many occasions for her release. Her brother, William Savile Kent, a marine biologist with whom Constance had been close, had emigrated to Australia to disappear and escape the family scandals. So Constance decided to follow him sailing from London to Sydney, aboard the Carisbrook Castle, and arrived on the 27th of February, 1886, reinventing herself as Ruth Emily Kay, and disappearing into obscurity. Occasionally, the British press wondered what had happened to the infamous murderess, thinking that she had probably emigrated and died overseas. William and his second wife had migrated to Tasmania Two years before in 1884. His half-sister Mary Amelia aged 29 accompanied them. They were then joined in Hobart by the younger three half-siblings in 1886. William took jobs throughout Australia before finally returning to Britain where he died in 1908, but the rest of the family remained in Australia. If you recall, the stepmother was heavily pregnant at the time of the murder, and just a few weeks afterwards, Ackland was born. He died in Bendigo in 1887. Mary Amelia and Florence settled in New South Wales, although they had little or no contact with Constance. Evelyn died in Melbourne in 1940. During the typhoid epidemic of 1890, an appeal of volunteers to nurse them was made, and Constance, then in Melbourne, volunteered, nursing patients in tents scattered throughout the grounds of Prince Alfred Hospital. She went on to train as a nurse. Later, she settled in Sydney, where she worked as sister in charge of the lepers at the Coast Hospital in Little Bay, before spending 11 years as matron of the Parramatta Girls Industrial School. She was appointed in 1898 after a riot and subsequent inquiry into conditions there that led to the replacement of the matron, although she also lowered her age by five years to get the job. At the time, an article about the road murder was published in the Truth newspaper in April 1899, No one could have known that the murderess was then holding the very respectable position of matron in Parramatta. In 1928, a curious letter was received by the British publishers of a book titled The Case of Constance Kent by John Rode. It was addressed to the publisher, Geoffrey Bless, and had to be sent from Sydney. Becoming known as The Sydney Document, The 3,000-word letter objected to the aspersions of insanity cast upon the first Mrs. Kent and outlined the acrimonious relationship between Constance and the second Mrs. Kent. Although written in the third person, the letter could only have been written by Constance herself. Miss Kay's final years were spent at the Loreto Convalescent Home in Strathfield, where her 100th birthday was celebrated in style. She passed away on the 10th of April 1944 and is buried at Rookwood General Cemetery, New South Wales. And it was not until the 1970s that the truth of her identity was widely discovered. The terrible murder of Frances Kent caused uproar and indignation in society and influenced many, many authors. Amongst them was Wilkie Collins and Charles Dickens, who both based novels on the plot of the story, Wilkie Collins with Moonstone and Charles Dickens with The Mystery of Edwin Droop.
1: The History of North America podcast is a sweeping historical saga of the United States, Canada, and Mexico, from their deep origins to our present epoch. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this exciting, fascinating, epic journey through time, focusing on the compelling, wonderful, and tragic stories of North America's inhabitants, heroes, villains, leaders, environment, and geography. This incredible historical adventure follows a path of exciting events, led by interesting people who reach beyond their grasp to touch key moments in time. The History of North America podcast series is an educational and entertaining look at the thrilling chronicle of North America, an action-packed tale of a continent that is still unfolding. I invite you to come along for the ride.
0: In the news today, a man asked his boss for a raise because three other companies were after him. The boss asked which ones. So the man replied, gas, water and electric.
1: the day facts.
0: Let's start off with the 4th of February 1555 when John Rogers is burned at the stake, becoming the first English Protestant martyr under Mary I of England. Also on the 4th of February but in 1977, Rumours, the 11th studio album by Fleetwood Mac, is released and is the Grammy Album of the Year. On the 5th of February, 1852, the new Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, Russia, one of the largest and oldest museums in the world, opens to the public. Also on the 5th of February, but in 1945, more than 100 firefighters tackled a blaze that destroyed Bristol's Colston Hall. It was believed to have been caused by a cigarette. On the 6th of February 1851, the largest Australian bushfires in a populous region in recorded history takes place. Called the Black Thursday bushfires, this series of fires swept through the state of Victoria, Australia, burning up 5 million hectares or 12 million acres, or about a quarter of the state's area. 12 people perished along with 1 million sheep, thousands of cattle, and countless native animals. Also on the 6th of February, but in 1918, British women over the age of 30 who meet minimum property qualifications get the right to vote when representation of the People Act, 1918, is passed in Parliament. On the 7th of February, 1301, Edward of Carnarvon, later King Edward II of England, becomes the first English Prince of Wales. On the 8th of February, 1879, the England cricket team, led by Lord Harris, is attacked in a riot during a match in Sydney. On the 9th of February, 1555, Bishop of Gloucester, John Hooper, is burned at the stake. And lastly, on the 10th of February, 1940, the Soviet Union begins mass deportations of Polish citizens from occupied eastern Poland to Siberia. Well, that's it, I'm afraid. It's the end of a show. But don't worry, I'll be here, same time, same place, next week. And before we go, I'd just like to thank the real artists that bring everything together – and this week we have our very own Steve Shepherd, as well as Caroline Ball, Joe Wilson, Sam Roberts, and Molly Jeffries from St Stephen's Drum Group, right here in Bristol. Thank you, one and all. Thank you once again for listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook by looking up at Backtracker UK with a capital B, a capital T and a capital UK. I also occasionally post onto TikTok and Instagram. So do come along and find me because it's amazing to hear from you and get some feedback or even ideas for future shows. As a small independent podcaster, your help and support is always appreciated. And one way you can do that is to rate the show wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a review also helps as it gives other people an idea of what the show's about. The show is regularly released on Mondays. So until next time, guys, take care and look after each other.